This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Inside, goes up for a dunk and blocked by Fortune. Callier into the front court. Colorado's got a little bit of a break. Step back, three-point shot. Good! What a beautiful step back that was by Dominic Collier. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Koenigsberg, Ali Monroe, and Jake Shapiro. But I disagree if proven wrong. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast, coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern. I am Jake Shapiro alongside Ryan Koenigsberg and Ali Monroy. And we have all of the latest and greatest CU Buffs, Colorado Buffaloes news for you today, Tuesday, January 24th. DJ Elliott, the new defensive coordinator, talked to the media for the first time today. Me and Allie were there. Ryan watched and consumed our content. So he was in the know, just like anyone that listens to this podcast, because we leave it all out there. We do not keep any secrets from our readers and listeners and watchers. You know it all. Yeah. <laughs> That's our motto here at BSN. Yeah. Denver. No secrets. Yeah. Everyone's clued in. I was trying to make a pun, but I couldn't. Thank mm. God. Well, <laughs> I want to mix this up and go right to the news about DJ. Uh, I see. I see. You I see what I'm yeah, doing? I picked up that. I like that track. You like that like track? You ruin it when you talk about it. <laughs> a take from Allie. A take from <laughs> Allie. That's so sa- – that was <laughs> so savage. Like, can you imagine her <laughs> tweeting something and you just quote tweet it? A take from Allie. <laughs> okay, anyways, uh, DJ Elliott is uh, the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. He was uh, in that same position out there at Suck-Tucky, as Ryan called it no, earlier. Kentucky. Kentucky. Yes. Uh, Kentucky, the wild Don't, Not to be confused with Jip-Tucky, where we went and filmed that uh, golf video Jip-tucky. this, this uh, summer. Big Blue Nation, because they're all sad about how bad their football team is. Yes. Well, uh, he comes over from there. He was also at Florida State before that, where he recruited one of the best players in the country, which he notably bragged about today in he his uh, press conference. That was a weird, humble brag. Yeah, it was. It wasn't I wasn't humble. even humble. It was just a brag, uh, which I didn't know exists anymore in, tw- in, in 2017. I thought you had to have a humble before your brag. I've been sticking with the regular brag brand all along. The brag I was never brand. a fan of the humble brag. You were never a fran? <laughs> it's never been a Fran. But uh, Elliot <laughs> left uh, different impressions on all of us. Uh, the main impression I came away with was, wow, this guy's kind of tall, uh, th- which matters for me because I'm the one that films most of the videos you see on BSN <laughs> Denver is me. Which is so why you can ne- why no one that's ever watched a BSN Buffs video has seen the top of Tad Boyle's head. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. So, so like you're very, very well acquainted with his chin. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I was trying to explain. So uh, one of the first things I do notice about a coach <laughs> is his height and where I'm going to be shooting him. I've uh, never thought of this. <laughs> do you know how hard it is to film Tad Boyle for me? My arms get so tired. <laughs> And then oh I, I have to screenshot the video within the first 30 seconds or else my arms are so tired that it looks so much lower. It starts at the top it of starts like It starts where I can capture the whole oh thing and then it goes down to like my chest and it's like... <laughs> All you can see is Tad Boyle's I'm, hands. I'm laughing hard because I saw that in the video today of DJ <laughs> Elliott because I was right behind you and I noticed it going like kind of low. And I had to go lower today because the photographer uh, yeah. was like shooting above me. So like I had to like squint down even lower. <laughs> So, like, I'm, like, in this crouched position with one leg in front and one leg back with my butt kind of out. And, like, I'm, like, I go from, like, 5'3 to, like, 4'6. And I'm wearing – and today, I don't know, Ryan didn't see me. Allie saw me. And Allie's, like, this is really what you're wearing today. I was wearing, like, my blue and green floral shirt. My blue and green, like, floral, like, sweater shirt with an Anaheim Ducks hat. Oh, wow. And, and, right. Who's and literally mans? literally everyone that's – she who's mans me, the people that work for the buffs, all the girls are just like, really? Like, I'm like, I'm like well, at least he's going to remember who I am. I literally have tears go. in my eyes. That's why he called you Jay. 
<laughs> That's why he called me Jay. <laughs> oh, he, wow. He remembered who I was, oh. but he didn't want to remember. He didn't want to give enough of an effort to listen to the second syllable of my name. Yes. Wow, I actually had tears in my eyes there. Well, <sighs> anyways, that was the best part of the podcast. <laughs> it's all down well, over. We, we, we will have just like how I feel with the CU Buffs defense. Oh. Uh, all downhill? You seriously feel that way? I really. <sighs> that was after last week where okay, we were kind I'm just, of being I'm gonna positive. Be I'm, gonna, I'm trying to come down from like joking to be serious here. I personally don't have a good feeling about DJ Elliott. He just seen uh, usually when a coach comes into a press con their first press conference. You come away like sold. You're like, oh wow, like he really had some great things to say. I mean, they're just they're full, like all of their material has never been used. They they're kind of just fresh and everything like that. I mean, I left that that watching that press conference just being like, Neh. like he didn't have much to say. All of his answers were one to two sentences. He seems very cookie cutter to me, and I think what this de- he's like. I coach with energy. Like, I'm like, where's your energy? Like, I can't feel anything from you right now, and this is your first chance to get in front of the fans. And you're talking about how you coach with energy, but you're talking like a robot. And obviously, you can't decide how good a guy can coach defense. But I just get this feeling that, especially from what I'm heard, what I've heard, Mike McIntyre kind of wanted to bring in a guy who answered to him a lot. And DJ Elliott kind of strikes me as a person who is completely willing to do that. You know, someone asks, well, what do you, what, you know, how, how are you compare the two defenses? Like, oh, yeah, well, they're very similar, and we're going to do a lot of the same things that they were doing here before. And it just, I don't know. I, I've, I don't know if I've ever felt bad after a coach's first press conference in front of him. And it's a little different than a head coach who's out there trying to sell a, a whole fan base. But I just didn't. I don't understand how you can look at DJ Elliott on paper, in front of a camera, or any way, and and be excited over that. I just he doesn't inspire any confidence or excitement uh, in me and some of the fans I've talked to in terms of what he brings to the table. I'm and I just I don't see it. I agree with you in the sense that a lot of the um, answers he was giving seemed not rehearsed, or, but they just all seemed really similar to other videos or other meet and greets that he's done. And um, he does cross me as a yes man. I let, don't. Let think me blame the reporters a little bit on that. I one guess that's true. There were similar questions one, all around. Was wanting to ask all of the questions that were asked by Mark Johnson yesterday. Yeah. Mm. So talk about that, Jake. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he did have the same exact answers. Um, but I agree, he does seem kind of like a yes man, and that is good that Coach Mack and him will get along. But in the sense, you also want someone like checks and balances, someone who will state their mind and will give their opinions and will sometimes just stand up and be like, no, this is my defense, what Coach Levitt would do. Um, that was also a little extreme, and he didn't have a good relationship with Coach Mack. But I still, I still have optimism for this team and with the defense. And I think he's really focused on, like, bringing them to the next step, which is like any like anyone would say that. But for me, I feel like – his focus should be keeping them at this level at first and then trying to go to the next step. He keeps going. I don't want um, – because everyone thinks they're going to take a step back. He's like, I'm going to make it to the next step. Like, he needs to try and keep it consistent and then go forward throughout the season, especially go through spring camp and, like, all of those things. That's just what I think. And let's be honest. The next step would be, like, the best defense in the nation. Yeah, exactly. If you can even come close to where they were with losing what, what you lost – that to me would be imp- – I mean, I'd be impressed if he keeps them in the top 25 in the nation. And that's what I'm thinking that they need to be staying at. Like, they need to be focused on keeping it consistent. Being one of the top three defenses in the Pac-12. Exactly, right. what they did last year. I, I, I want to – I just – and ahead, maybe our fans can – or our listeners and CU Buffs fans can give us a response on this. I just – the unfortunate thing for DJL is he's not going to coach a game for a while. So all we have is to draw off what we can see and – what you see on paper and I just don't think he said anything or has done anything so far that says yeah this guy he's I mean do you follow him on Twitter I do but it's been nothing he just retweeted a bunch of thank yous from Kentucky basically was his whole Twitter Twitter that was basically his Twitter introduction to see you so he's 
I mean, at this point, Jim Levitt had already become like a legend on Twitter with CU fans. And so it's just what like what are you doing to inspire confidence? And I just I haven't seen one thing. I want to talk about besides the fact that he recruited Mario Edwards to Florida State. But like that's one of my points is you were talking about how we won't have a good barometer of what he is or what he brings in. We can't judge anything he does in this recruiting period. It's 10 days before signing day. Mm -hmm. That's just unfair to him. So let's wash that out. So we're basically going to have no idea what he's like until maybe two years from now. No, I mean, mean, like this time. We're going to have a good idea of (coughs) schematically what he's doing. But, like, in terms of recruiting, which is one of his big things, I mean, CU's basically offering all of their 2018 guys right now. He's laid in on 2018 a little bit, too. So I want to talk about recruiting a little bit, but I want to talk about this theory as well. Ryan and I have talked about this off the air, and I don't know if we've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but when talking about Brian Lindgren, you always say that the Buffs need that guy that's strictly focused on X and O's, that maybe, you know, it's kind of like the Tin Man. He's not the guy that's full of his heart and and basically, and I'm not to say Brian Lindgren's not that guy, but (laughs) Brian Lindgren's pretty mechanic in the way he's straightforward. He's not Mike McIntyre where he comes Mm -hmm. up with welcome to the fight and all this different stuff, and he's full of passion. He's crying before pregame speeches. Could this be a good thing in that sense where – you know, maybe the Buffs bring in another uh, defensive coach that is that fiery guy, and, you know, basically Chev on the defensive side of the ball, and this is the X's and O's guy that can take care of some of that stuff that, you know, the Buffs – I mean, Levitt was a genius, but the stuff that, you know, maybe that guy couldn't be able to take care of. First of all, yes, they uh, they need energy on that side of the Definitely. ball. And the de- being on the defense is not about being compliant with the head coach. Defense – in in the word is not about being compliant it's about defending it's it's attacking it's it's all of that none of that i don't know you need energy defense is so much about energy and passion and and kind of channeling uh even anger i would say so it's you they need someone on that side of the ball that's going to be inspirational and you know maybe dj elliott once he gets onto the coaching field is passionate and kind of brings that fire that we we didn't really see but the problem with what you saying that is I don't know if DJ Elliott has yet proven anything that says he's an X's and O's whiz and and maybe Brian Lindgren isn't exactly an X's and O's whiz either but they do need that contrast I think the contrast between Brian Lindgren and Darren Cheverini is fantastic and a lot of people wanted to credit Chev for a lot this last season but I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. I talked to a, a player on offense who said, like, don't get too crazy here. We love Chev, and he did a lot to help us out. But Coach Lindgren's still calling the plays up there. So it's not all Chev that was part of the offensive resurgence, which ended up actually regressing a little bit throughout the season. But I think it's re- going to be really important for them to get some fire on that side of the ball. One of my other interesting takeaways from today was uh, Elliot was asked about who the most impressive players were to him. I that was I and caught that too. He listed all linebackers. You know, it was he also I understand. Addison Gillum was good a couple of years ago. Yeah, right. That was, was that like a shot at him? And also, there. I mean, Addison Gillum's situation, from what I've heard, has been pretty fluid in terms of. Um, whether or not he still wants to play football. Let's just be honest. That's kind of what I've heard. Um, I'm obviously not reporting anything. That's just kind of what we've heard. Um, so I don't know if that me. I, I probably wouldn't be saying critiques about Addison Gillum right now if I'm trying to inspire this guy to want to play for me. You're, exactly. I mean, let alone From what anyone. we've heard, you're recruiting Addison Gillum right now, basically. Right. you got to convince him that you need him. And they do need him. And they do. They do. Because here's the thing about the linebacking situation. Kenneth Olobode, his stats were fantastic last mm-hmm. year. He statistically had a fantastic year. Here's the thing. Kenneth Olobode is not that good of a linebacker. He's solid. He does some things that are very good for a college linebacker. But he's not this amazing linebacker. He just was always in the right spot because the Buffs had nobody else in that position. And that was their biggest hole, maybe on their entire team, was the fact that they had to rely on Gamboa at times and Christian Shaver, who's uh, is being attrition, and 
and a little bit of uh, NJ Follow, those were guys that were. Well, those two guys were m playing more of the end position. Sure. <clears throat> but they, I mean, they're s they were scraping. And when Addison Gillum was playing well, that was when that linebacking core looked the best. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, the, the whole point with this wasn't that the linebackers are bad or anything. It's like you have Isaiah Oliver on your defense. You have that tool in your tool shed, and you're not going to talk about it. What's going on there? And yeah, I understand I he's that. the linebacking <laughs> coach predominantly, but he's also the defensive coordinator, and he's not going to be talking about maybe the best returning defensive player in the Pac-12. That was a little odd to me, and he didn't, you know, and he didn't talk about uh, some of the early enrollee guys because he was asked a little bit about that and deflected as well. And the Buffs have a ton of early enrollees, especially that could be impact players on the defensive side of the ball, let alone the JUCO guys, which I've heard great things about, specifically Javier Edwards. Yeah, I, just all goes back to me wondering how much – I mean, he just didn't seem – maybe he didn't seem all that prepared to me. He – if you go back and watch that, he had at least two, maybe three, like, four-word answers mm -hmm. where he's like, yeah, we, we really like them. They're good. It's like, hmm. Yeah, and obviously he, pr a lot has probably been thrown on his plate. So how much, you know, I, I guarantee you he hasn't watched hours and hours of film of Isaiah Oliver yet. He said he's watched all of last season's, every single game last year. He said well, he watched. That's concerning. And he hasn't, he, I noticed that too. It just seems to me like he was more focused on the linebackers instead of Isaiah Oliver, Ryan Moeller, these key players that are coming back. Right. A guy, you just, Ryan Moeller. Exactly. I, I know special teams, but he's Pac-12 first team. That's a guy with a name on your defense. And mm -hmm. he had nothing to say. He was like, and a few more that I could name. That definitely stood out to me too during the press during the And it's not like and he said he's even been to workouts and we've heard he's been to workouts. Yeah. He said he was um he's gone to three workouts, six AM workouts and he's got really he's like, seen he really it. liked to uh throw that out there. Yeah, too. that was I a humble brag. I get up early. <laughs> that was a humble brag. I've been to some workouts at six AM. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, anyway. And the fact that he said he watched every single game from last year. The, yeah, that's interesting to me. Another guy who he's going to have in the uh, toolbox is Derek McCartney. He did talk he about did him. Okay, he did mention him. Yeah. But it was like almost last on his list. Mm -hmm. like okay. a throw, which is oh, like I understand that a little bit more because he didn't play most of last year. And if he just watched last year. But he's obviously an impact player and the entire defense changed after McCartney stopped playing. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't. It didn't take a step down because Levitt they just once again was a mastermind. Things, yeah. They had to change how they played their defense. But a big question is: is how is this defense going to respond to a new defensive coordinator? Because they were really inspired to play under Jim Levitt, and they really took up, especially the secondary, the whole motto of the Money Gang, the linebackers, the Savages. They all had their identities, mm -hmm. and you know what? As as funny as that might be, and as Ryan laughs or whatever. They bought into it, and that's all it that It really matters. helps them, and I mean uh, – The Money Gang was legit. Savages <laughs> was not. Savages is – it's a weak nickname. And they I had – why get baseball jerseys? They all got baseball jerseys. Why baseball jerseys? I'm a baseball guy. Baseball jerseys suck. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. Get a get – a, like, if you're going to get a jersey, get a hockey jersey or like an NBA – like a just tank like top. make a better name for your group. I just think those kind of names really helped them. Like, same with, like, Blackout Boys. Like, that really, like, gave them, like, An a identity. lot of spark. Yeah, exactly. And I heard from a source that um, DJ Elliott went to one of the practices and called, called the defense together and was like, all right, guys, on defense, one, two, three. And everyone was – all the players were like, no, gang, gang. And they just, like – then they chanted gang, gang instead of saying defense to, like, follow what he it said. And he just kind of took a step back. It's and so I'm really curious to see how the players react to this new defensive coordinator. And look, we're we're being a little hard on him right now, and it is because we don't have much to go off of. But there is a there is a transition period for him. He's going to need to watch more film on these guys. He's going to need to take time to go through all that film and key in on guys individually. He's going to need time to figure out what they like to say when they break the huddle. He's going to need time to build relationships with them. Right, exactly. But it is – you know, you go off of what you have to go off of, and I think <clears throat> DJ Elliott has just a little bit, bit of a ways to go before he kind of has the the full on confidence of the fan base. And I want to get go back to some positives with Elliott. He's a hell of a recruiter. Um, he recruits Texas, which has been a huge mm -hmm. marking point for the Buffs here. 
Uh, he recruits the Dallas area, which is where the Buffs are basically centering their recruiting headquarters now. Uh, the Buffs are just trying to pull every – they just offered three kids, I forget which high school, school out of Dallas, three kids, class of 2018, five, four, and a three-star. Like, they are basically attacking Dallas like – like like the Cowboys are is their offensive line and just going in there and Ezekiel mm. Elliott in there. Good effort there. It was kind of like the Cowboys defense. Good effort, but it wasn't really good yes. enough. Uh, <laughs> but I, either way, I, I I think none of us came blown away. Mm-hmm. I overall came away with a positive in impression of DJ Elliott. It wasn't. Uh, outstanding, and as Ryan said, which made me realize this a little bit more, every head coach's first press conference, or every coach's first press conference, you're like, oh my god, this guy. Uh, I didn't get that impression today, but I I gained the impression of him. At least he didn't give the old, yeah, like, you think I'm a good recruiter, you should see what my wife looks like. That one happens oh like God, in every what? press conference. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. no, no, Coach Mack did no. It. no Coach Mack did it. Yep. Are you kidding me? Yep. Oh, He's God, like, we're going to no. recruit hard, as you can see. You know, my wife, Trisha, I can recruit a little bit. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Is that? So he didn't drop that one. Yeah. All righty, then. Well, he came off to me. Um, there were some questions and stuff like that, but he definitely seems well-spoken. And just that's what <laughs> I don't. There we I don't go. Know. There's the positives. That's, you know, he's well spoken. That's kind of what I got from him. I think honestly, the defense isn't gonna like completely blow like um, Ryan's saying. I, I think they. I didn't say that. You kind of said you. I said you had no hope for the defense. Did not. What What did you say earlier? I then? said it's all downhill. Okay. Should I do a record scratch freeze frame? <laughs> sorry, sorry, my memory. But still, it's all downhill. Like, I think I was, they I might was, take a little step back, but I still have hope for this. I was being a little bit facetious there just because it was a good transition. Speaking of but all downhill, the 0-7 Colorado Buffaloes basketball team in I conference. I think it's all uphill from here. We're going to talk about that in a second. But first, got to tell you about the Colorado Keg House in Broomfield right next to the First Bank Center with 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. They are the home for Colorado craft beer. From wheat beers to nitrous to IPAs to ales, nobody does craft beer like the Colorado Keg House. You can sit at their huge bar, their tables, or their lounge area, but no matter where you sit, you'll sit in front of a TV that's four tons. The next time you are looking for something to do, go down to the Colorado Keg House off of Wadsworth and 36 in Broomsfield. Hey! So close. You said ales right. I know, but it's Broomsfield. No, 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 it's not. You said ales right, and you did it fast without, like, hesitating. Like, you're getting a lot better than that. That was great. New year, new me. (laughs) There you go. Uh, New year, new Colorado basketball. (laughs) Yeah, oh my god. This is a new Colorado basketball that we haven't seen. We're going to talk about that in one more second, but we also have Delion Brown on the podcast today. We're going to talk about a little bit of the quarterback situation, if we have time for it, entering next year. If not, we'll push that to next week. We're going to talk about the field rush uh, fines of $75,000 and uh, the things we'd rather be doing than watching Colorado play Oregon State in basketball, so stick around for that later in the podcast. But I want to talk about recruiting a little bit as we enter the last couple days before signing day here. Colorado's class is is shaping up, and uh, they're putting the finishing touches on it. Obviously, a lot of the class has already uh, been built, uh, and they're locked in. I mean, Mm -hmm. let alone uh, being hard verbals, they're early enrolled. And that is so big with this class. And there are a lot of big names with this class that I think a lot of people are going to be excited about. I've heard so many good things about the guys that have early enrolled already, as well as the JUCO guys. Uh, The one guy that was really questionable thus far was Kevin George, the JUCO guy they just brought in. And then, even then, you give Mike McIntyre a break because look at what he's done with some of these cornerbacks that he's had that you've heard nothing about that fit the same build that Kevin George does, a little tall, skinny guy. Uh, so the worst thing about Kevin George is that he has two first names. That's what that's yeah, that was that was bad. <laughs> but uh I'm really liking Colorado's recruiting class and uh I've heard really good things about two of the big fish that they're trying to capture and Trajan Cotton and mm-hmm. NJ Fo- not NJ Follow, Josh Follow, NJ Follow's little brother. Uh You were just Joshing. I was Josh and Joshing. Uh, I think Trajan Cotton has a better potential to come to Colorado. Uh, I think Follow is still uh, 
got a pretty good potential to come to Colorado, but I like both of their chances. And the fact that Colorado's going after some of the guys that they're going after, like this kid Chason that was here yesterday visiting, is such a good sign. Uh, how did you? How do you pronounce that first name of his? I was Slavon. I was told, and I'm not gonna try it. Do it. Try it. Come on. I believe it's. Is the K silent? It's <laughs> Kale- It's like Kale- let me find. Let me find the spelling of the name. It's K. Kalevon. Kalevon. That's what Kalevon. I said. Kalevon. 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 Yeah. Good um, job, Brian. Thank you. But we talked about it last year a lot when they were recruiting some of these five stars that would just even take visits to Colorado. How good that was for the program. But now it seems so so much realer because they're taking. More real. these it seems so much more real because they're taking these visits just on the eve of signing day. Uh, we're not expecting any surprises, really. Uh, like, you know, how would you expect a surprise? But that happened last year with Bicharette. But what I'm trying to say, basically, is that even if Colorado doesn't add to their class at all before signing day and they just lock in the guys that they have and make sure that they get some of the guys that they've really been chasing after – this is a heck of a class, and uh, I think a lot of people have a lot to be excited about. I know we're not the recruiting people, basically, uh, over here at BSN Denver, but we do follow it, and I know some of our listeners follow it. And especially as we're on the eve of signing day, I think it's important to talk about what Colorado's bringing in. We're not quite on the eve of signing day. Yeah, that's next well, week. Next Thursday. I don't know if we're going to have another podcast before that. We probably will, but. Who knows? But I, I, I agree I'm with there, that. This, this class is loaded. Mm-hmm. You take any of maybe the top five, six guys in this class, they all would have been headliners in the last five or six classes. And so, you know, you talk about guys like Jake Moretti, who a couple years ago, if they got a guy like Jake Moretti, he would have been the savior, basically. Right. I mean, it would have been, oh, my God, we're finally turning – kind of like the Tim Lanott of his class when people were like, oh, my God, we finally got one of the good in-state players. Uh, Katie Nixon, who re-solidified, he was like kind, he was like committed, and then all of a sudden he had to commit again. Really good social media awareness there. On I his know part. that's what I would be doing every commi- day if I was the. He committed recruit. to the same school twice. <laughs> he doubled down on his commitment. That's so awesome! Like, I have so much respect for him. For like, that. I it sucks because he's not an early enrollee. Because these early enrollees, you can interview in fall camp. I'm not going to be able to interview Katie Nixon in fall camp because those are the media rules. But like, first question to Katie Nixon, I'm like, how do you manage your brand so well, Katie? <laughs> <laughs> and like, KD, that's a, is that his name? That's another question I have. There's no periods there. It's just KD. But JD Elliot has no, that's periods. DJ. You are DJ. <laughs> DJ, but, but we haven't been able to find what his name actually is. But DJ LeMayhew doesn't have periods between his names, and his name is David John. Do you get to choose these things as a parent? Is that your decision? Whether you put the periods in or not? Yeah. I don't know. Like, do you. Anyways, there's KD a style guide to name somewhere? Yeah, maybe. Katie Nixon, uh, John Van Dyce, another guy who would have been like, oh my God, they're getting a good player from the in state. Then, of course. The all-name man of the year, LaVisca Chenault. He's, like, by far the best player in this class. I just – I know it. By name. But you just go down. Tyler Lytle. That would have been a guy who, again, the savior. Oh, my God, we finally got a quarterback come in. So you you go through this and you look at these players and you're like, wow, Dante Spiracco. Like, these guys, Jalen Jackson, they would have been headliners in classes before – and now you've got a list of them. And you haven't even touched on Javier Edwards or Dante Wigley, who are both on campus already as JUCO transfers. And those are the two highest-rated recruits, according to uh, BuffStampedeScout.com here. Uh, and Edwards I've heard great things about, and Wigley I've heard great things about. Uh, I've heard good things about uh, Chris Malumba, the defensive tackle transfer originally from Finland. And I've heard great things about Carson Wells, too. Uh, so I have a thing. I have a question. Yes. Dante Wigley, uh, he kind of has red hair. I was wondering if I could refer to his hair as Dante's Inferno. Ooh. <sighs> I can <laughs> recite, like, one of Dante's Inferno. I'm, I'm a little rusty on it, but, like, one of it. In, it that's the only Italian sentence I know. But I know, like, a sentence of Dante's Inferno in Italian, but I need, like, not to be on the podcast in, like, 20 minutes to remember. That could it. be, like, his version of, like, Rivas Island. Dante's Inferno. That's dope. 
We're going to have to get Sis on this. I might text Sis right now. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, this class is really, really good. And you're looking at the Buffs being in such good spots that they haven't been in before where they're going to be redshirting three stars. They've never done that since me or you have covered the teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. A but, little like, bit. you're looking at this wide receiver class. Guys like Tim Lenart. Right. But, but you're looking at this wide receiver class and – Who's going to play next year? Basically, maybe Nixon in a scat back role, and the rest of them are redshirting? Right. I mean, they're in such a good spot in terms of longevity, and, and that really hasn't been able to been s- be said in a while. It's fantastic for them. Uh, they're, they're in a position now to, de- to develop, and that's the most important thing for a program like Colorado. Colorado rarely, probably almost never, will be at a place – where they're raking in five stars, they put them out there, they're better than the guys that were there before them, and it's just kind of move one guy out, put another guy in, and play, win. He goes to the league, you put another five star in. It just It's never going to work like that here. So at Colorado, you have to get these three and four star guys, upper, cla- uh, upper tier three and four star guys, and develop them. And when you're able to redshirt players, and even gray shirt and redshirt players, I mean – Look at guys like Derek McCartney, who's going to be like 37 by the time he leaves CU. <laughs> like you, just like me, you, you end up having <laughs> grown ass men on a football field, and it makes all the difference. You have to be able to, to redshirt players because that's how you develop them. And then by the time they're seniors, like you had this last year with a big, big class of seniors, when you don't have bad attrition. That's how you put together great, great teams. Speaking of great, great teams, the Colorado Buffaloes basketball program sitting at 10 and 10. Is the fall real? Yes. Yeah, 100%. It's funny how if I would have told you the basketball team or the football team, one of them will be 0-7 in conference at one point. You would have taken the football Everyone team. Everyone would have taken football. And it would have been a lock, just like Colorado Safe Outlet has the largest selections of safes in Colorado. Don't waste your time at big box retailers looking at safes that don't suit your needs. Instead, come to Colorado Safe Outlet where an expert will set you up with exactly what you need. No more, no less. Once you pick up the perfect safe, they'll deliver it to your home. Fast and easy. Check them out online at coloradosafeoutlet.com or visit them at one of their two locations in Centennial or Stapleton. But yeah, I mean, seriously, it was <laughs> would have been a lock if you told me in August which w- or September which one, I guess August, which August one would have been zero and seven, uh, the basketball team or the football team in conference, and it would have been I'd say a layup. I would say that the Buffs haven't been able to hit. <laughs> I, this is August fifteenth. I look at you and I say, I guarantee you, one of these teams will be zero and seven in conference at one point, and I'll give you a million dollars to bet it on one. You would have not thought twice and put it on the and put it on the football team to go and the other team. team's going to be playing for the Pac-12 championship right I mean exactly you never would have even hesitated for one second all of a sudden the opposite has happened everything has gone wrong for them they're getting no bounces late in games they're not creating their own luck at all uh Tyler Ziskin I know is just absolutely peeved by the fact that Ken Pomeroy holds a luck stat that says the Buffs are getting unlucky right now. It's so fun to go to Blake Street, by the way, ju- just just to watch Tyler Ziskin watch a Colorado basketball game. I was watching, watching him all right. last week, and it was hilarious. Watching Tyler watch the team is better than watching the team. He was livid. He was behind the bar and just he was livid. He was so beyond livid that he's having fun watching himself be in misery. He was laughing. At the end of the game, he was laughing. It's amazing. Uh, they lost twice in overtime. That's why uh, he was in so much misery. 85-83 and 91-89 at Washington and Washington State. They host Oregon State in Oregon this weekend. Uh, Tad Boyle has gotten so honest with the media that he's just straight shooting. Well, he's always honest, but it's just to the point where it's like, yeah, we are bad. <laughs> uh, we're hoping things turn around, but uh, look, me they- saying this isn't going to help anything. They have to beat Oregon State. It's crazy to me how honest Tad's been being. I just have never, like, known of a coach. Like, literally, he was talking about how the defense right now is not good enough to be anyone in this league. It doesn't matter who they play or it doesn't matter where they play. The fact that Tad Boyle said that about his team, like, I love how honest it is, but it's just insane to me how this Colorado basketball team is playing. 
that their coach can say this to the media. I'll, I'll say this. Watching certain guys that you watch in-game shoot and you wonder why the hell is this guy still shooting the ball, you wonder that in practice at this point. Oh, wow. That's how cold the team is. It's not just in-game. It's, it's in practice now, too, that this team – and Bo talked about it. Bo Gamble, who was on the podcast last week, talked about it a little bit last week. And Tad, I talked to him today about it. How the hell are you supposed to have a swagger when you're 0-7 in conference? Y- you just don't. There's no confidence there. And, yeah, you know what? The team's really good on offense. But mm. it's – according to the stats, they're very good on offense. But if you have a doubt – that your defense is going to give up a basket every single time you're back down on the floor, how much confidence can you really have in yourselves overall as a game? They're, I mean, they're just – and at this point, to me, they're going to start giving up. And mm-hmm. Tad Boyle would probably resent the fact that I'm saying that right now. But these are guys who have only really known relative success. I mean, of course, they went through the ski season, which was uh, rough that year. But these guys are used to winning. Even in that season, they were still winning conference games. Uh, now all they're doing is losing, and that's it's the opposite of kind of what happened with CU football, where all they knew was losing, and they got a taste of winning, and they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. We're not letting this go. Well, now these guys were used to winning, and then now they're getting so used to losing that they're like, well, what's the point? We're not going to the NCAA tournament anymore. That that was our goal. That's what we've been been fighting for. You know, Derek White – who's still working his ass off. But somewhere in his head, he's like, damn, the whole reason I came to Colorado is I wanted a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. You know, it's a dream I've had since I was a little kid. Eventually, the fact that, you know, you're not going to live that dream this year starts to creep into your head, and it becomes real easy to start thinking about the end of the season, especially if you're an underclassman. Uh, you know, the the upperclassmen, which <laughs> this team has plenty of them, it's just hard to understand why they don't have any leadership. Those guys are starting to – maybe they start to realize where it's – uh, they come down the uh, final stretch here. Oh, all right. We better fight for our last basketball that we're going to play at the competitive level unless, you know, you go overseas or whatnot. But it's real easy for underclassmen to say, ah, all right, well, this season didn't go the way we wanted to, but, you know, oh, at least there's next season. I talked to a player today, and one of his quotes to me was, yeah, we're going to be really good next year offhand he said that it wasn't and it wasn't it wasn't the team it was talking about him and a different player's uh chemistry and i'm gonna edit that out because i don't think he wanted to it to come across that way but it kind of tells you where their head is at where you know i could ask a question about him and another player and their chemistry and how they're developing and it leads him to a place where he already talks about next year, and there's already a, there's still 11 games or something like that left in conference play before even postseason play this year. To me, it's just they're 0-7. This is where the upperclassmen need to step in. This is where the leadership needs to step in, especially because, like you were saying, Ryan, the underclassmen, it's so easy for them to focus on next year and be like, you know what, like next year we got it. Next year will be our year. Like, no, this is where the seniors need to step up and be like, no, like we, yes, we're 0-7, but let's not make a fool of ourselves. Let's not be hoping for next year for those underclassmen. Let's leave our mark on this program because there are a lot of upperclassmen that you would have thought, at least I would have thought, there was going to be a lot more leadership on this team when they started. The, the problem there, I think, for those guys is in their head, and especially because none of them are natural leaders, in their head they're thinking, well, what's the point? Why do I need to rally the team now? Because, uh, you know, I, I go to NCAA tournaments and, uh, yeah, I can try and rally them to beat Oregon State, who's 6-12 and 12 on the season. And uh, I think the Buffs will win that game. But they're thinking to themselves, what's, what's the point? Well, why am I going to go out of my way to try and rally the troops when we're not going to reach any of our goals? They're already passed. And so it's, a, it's this inner fight because these guys aren't leaders – and they were trying to be leaders in the offseason and whatnot. But now they're just, you know, they're dejected. And they're thinking, man, this sucks. This really, really sucks right now. I hate losing. And, they d- and maybe there's someone who says, yo, come on. This is our last chance to play college basketball. 
we still have a chance to get it together and maybe if we can get hot at the right time we can win the Pac-12 tournament and still go to the NCAA tournament but it's just real easy for them right now to just be like what's the point anymore well do you think beating Oregon State will give them some sort of momentum sure until they go play Oregon and get their teeth kicked in I mean it's they they have to beat Oregon State they're going up against a really a team whose most redeeming quality is according to uh friends of mine is that their head coach is handsome I do like me some Wayne Tinkle like, come on. To uh, me, it's just, like, sad. Especially I thought their most redeeming quality was the fact that they're giving up 69 points per game. Nice. To me, it's sad that to see any team not be passionate. And to me, these upperclassmen that you are s- supposed to rely on, it just there is no passion. And it just is, it's a sad thing to watch. And it makes it hard for Buff fans to want to keep watching. They have hope. They're like, let me maybe this time, maybe this game. And then it ends up not working out, and it's just hard. Please excuse me. I said that they were uh, six and twelve. They're actually four and sixteen. They're six and twelve against the spread, though. Who's dyslexic now? Uh, speaking uh, or speaking of the Beavers, uh, the Buffs are very eager to play the Beavers on Thursday night. Are you doing an all beef? <laughs> no. You would say that. But what I was going to no. say is, we are not eager for the Beavers. Uh, this is a list of the things we'd rather be doing than watching Colorado play Oregon State in basketball. I'll start. Number one thing I'd rather be doing than watching. Well, actually, not the number one thing I'd rather be doing. Just a thing I'd rather be doing than watching Colorado play Oregon State in basketball. I'd rather be sitting at absinthe at 6:30 in the af- in the afternoon slash evening than watching Colorado play Oregon State, oh, wow. and that sounds really depressing. There'll probably be about the same amount of people there. <laughs> I'd rather be sober at absinthe on Thursday night, ladies' night. Oh my God! I'd I can't be, imagine. I'd be there from six thirty to twelve, sober instead On of going thir- to this oh game if I wasn't God, paid. Oh God, that sounds awful. You need to be drunk to enjoy that place, at least on ladies' night. Yeah. Yes. All right. Next person. Okay, I would rather be watching Angry Beavers than watching the Oregon State Beavers. Nice. My guys, Dag and Norbert. I would rather be watching Coach Chev and Coach Adams go a tad bit crazy on Twitter talking about recruits. That was odd. That was they were they were like really into it. They were their gifts were kind of hilarious. They were. I don't get football man's. Uh, another thing I'd rather be doing than watching Colorado play Oregon State basketball is watching Jeremy Adams gangman style on repeat for two hours. Oh, oh wow, that's good. Well, I have a meeting on Thursday about like renewing my health insurance or something. I don't know. I'm more excited about that in terms of things that are happening on Thursday. Important. Yeah. I'd rather um, try to talk to financial aid and probably have to stay two hours in a line to get a chance to talk five minutes with my counselor. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'd rather be watching actual beavers play actual buffaloes in an actual keg than watching uh, what is about to take place on Thursday. How exactly do you plan on fitting a beaver and a buffalo into a keg? That's how a good bar joke starts, Ryan. Mm. So a beaver and a buffalo walk into <laughs> a keg. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would rather <laughs> I would rather take a boiling tinkle than watch Tad Boyle coach against Wayne Tinkle. Is that the one you were like, this is horrible? Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, my last one definitely goes into that. Guys... I would rather be listening to Jake and Ryan talk in only puns for three straight hours. Why did you just get so loud? <laughs> Sorry. You got, like, infinitely more loud. <laughs> because I was serious about it. I was angry, and I was trying was to make a caps. statement. It was all caps. Like, people who have listened to this podcast for a long time, or at least they know that that's, like, She's a breaking the levels me. over me and you here. Uh well, that's a, that's for three. That's the, the duration of a basketball game, I would rather sit here and listen to you guys talk in only puns. That's the loudest take we've had since Will Whalen <laughs> screaming, "I do not like the Olympics" <laughs> in the <laughs> podcast. Still the Actually, most legendary thing that's ever happened. I think I would go crazy happened. if I had to sit here and listen to you guys only talking. Imagine about if Will was still on the podcast with us too. Oh God, I uh, can't. One time we made Will laugh so hard with the pun that he cried. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
another thing I'd rather be doing than watching Colorado play Oregon State in basketball is making jokes about the Avalanche's terrible defense on Twitter while watching an Avalanche game. And they are bad, folks. They're pretty bad. Uh, that's all I got. Okay, I got one uh, more. The, the boiling tinkle was really my crown jewel. I've got a Ryan Koningsberg one. Oh, Ryan God. One. Uh, another thing I'd rather be doing than watching the Colorado Buffaloes play the Oregon State Beavers in basketball, just watching Brett Brady play basketball for two hours. <laughs> Brett Brady could do a lot for this team. Let's leave it at that. Well, uh, unless you got – oh, well, we actually have more to talk about on the podcast. No, that was a bre- that was a mic drop. The Brett Brady mic drop? Yeah. <laughs> It's like how he closes the game. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I want to bring this up here at the end. We have uh, CU fined $75,000 instead of uh, 150 for rushing the field. Uh, they could have spent infinite amount of money. It would have been worth it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not the kids' money. Who's Where does the $75,000 come from, really? The fans that paid to get into the games that they weren't expecting to, basically. So, like the, the fact... Yeah, just look at it at this. The attendance that they got at, we'll say, the Utah game. If you would have projected the attendance before the season, you would have projected that to be somewhere around 37 to 42,000. So they got 50,000. And $75,000 is way, way less than the money they made on those extra eight to 12,000 people that came to that game. I agree with that. I think, honestly, just thinking of that game – makes me so like laugh so hard when I picture Rick George in front of the student section oh. trying to tell them to all wait one minute. Someone had a picture of it, and I was trying to find it, but I haven't been able to. But just him standing there. Trying to tell a college male to wait one minute is just never. Trying to tell stuff. all of those hyped Colorado <laughs> Buffalo fans. Jake is laughing because like, he got the joke, and I just don't think. Well, I got the joke five minutes before <laughs> you said it because I was thinking of the same way to put it, but I couldn't do it. I, underst- I understood I the joke. I couldn't do it without I being way too inappropriate. I try to just ignore you guys and block you out sometimes. <laughs> That's that was what Rick a college George. male does right there when they're waiting for a minute. Everyone loves Rick George. That was Rick George's worst brand. Was trying to stop the students from rushing one. That, that was his two first names playing out right there. Oh, it's true. Uh, just true. the 60 seconds before, or it was like right before the last time out, there was like an announcement on the board. It was like, wait, 60 seconds, we won't get fined. And then seconds. there was a countdown on the big, yeah. on the jumbotron, and like ever, and he was out there like, guys, wait. Oh, I want to find that picture because I think that's the funniest thing in the whole entire world. 60 seconds is a really long. Unfortunately, time. we had three photographers there, and none of them got that picture. I thought one of them did. I really, I don't know where I saw this picture, but I swear I did. And it was uh, one of our competitors because I know what you're talking about. I haven't found it anywhere, so they must oh. have taken it down. I can I find c- it. Kid yeah. you not, I searched the whole internet. <laughs> yeah, how is how is the internet? <laughs> did you see anything you didn't want to see? <laughs> Anything you want to report back to the BS and Buffs podcast here? No, thank you. <laughs> well, coming to you from the internet, <laughs> saying goodbye to the internet. This has been the BSN Buffs podcast for Ali Monroe and Ryan Koningsberg. I am Jake Shapiro. Stay tuned to all of our content on bsndenver.com. Signing day coming up. That's big news, big stuff there. So make sure to follow along. There might be a surprise or two. So why don't you do that? It's the only day that fax machines matter. And free agent, NFL free agency day one. We just found that out with Elvis Dumervil. No, it was the last day. Oh, that was Elvis Dumervil day? Yes. <laughs> well, once again, we'll, we'll, we will see you. Oh, oh wow. Oh. <laughs> we will see you next week. Uh, have a great week, everyone. And make sure you hit us up on Twitter and uh, read all of our stuff. Uh, we'll see you next week. All right, check, 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 check. I'm in an annoyed mood right now. You're what? I don't know why. I'm in an annoyed mood right now. You're outraged? Thank you. (laughs) Why are you quiet? Can you talk again? Yeah, sure. I can talk all all times, uh, forever. Actually, I can't talk all all the time. I have a really big problem with my words sometimes. They just don't make sense. I bet a lot of people on this podcast have have under have heard that. <laughs> and the hidden track is back. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> I know exactly what Jake was thinking the whole time we were talking. Thank you.
quiet, guys. I wasn't gonna ruin that. It's being recorded. No. Yes. No, if I knew I was being recorded, I wouldn't have talked. <laughs> you knew you were being recorded. You could see it right there. I hadn't looked up. <laughs> That's not okay for someone to record what actually, I say without actually, my consent. Actually, in Colorado, it's only one party consent. I consented. Yep, they consented <laughs> to recording you. Whatever. That's why I don't want to live With, here. Without context, this is going to be the greatest hidden track <laughs> ever. Oh, such an annoyed mood right now. I think it's pretty good, good audio. Oh. I think my levels are turned way down. It's because I turned. Because no one wants to hear you. Wow. <laughs> Your takes don't matter on this podcast. All takes matter. All takes matter. All content deserves to go viral. All content. That's actually what I live by. You know, if I were to get a tattoo, all content deserves to go viral. I just watched we'll be this, a candidate. this BuzzFeed video that says uh, uh, couples, lovely couples, choose each other's tattoos. Like, I, what? Mm. No. Odd. That's weird. You're going to emotionally scar me one day, so why don't you physically scar me now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Leave your print on me, actually. Oh, that's awful. Okay, well, are we going to start this? I want to choose. I want to choose. You choose brands for people. You'd be like, you are branded with this. Yo, I got really drunk and started giving brand advice to just people the other day. And uh, shirts is bad for your brand. <laughs> no, no. Okay, let's run it. A lot of people don't. That's why they're bad and we're good. Welcome into the. Be- Why are you sucking in while you're talking? I was I was burping. <laughs> I was burping. <laughs> I'm definitely not flexing right now. <laughs> Trying to impress the listeners with my uh, oh my BMI. Love a good BMI. What? The <laughs> hey girl, what's your BMI? Hey, girl, are you trying to get this BMI? Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast coming to you from, well, not the Blake's. Yeah, yeah, I got to do this. Hey, girl, you want a BMI phone? (laughs) BMI phone? Oh, my God. That was actually a good one, and I don't like that that was a good one. (laughs)